0: We're going to continue in our look in the book of Revelation today in chapter 8. Before we do that, I just want to ponder a little question. What is one thing in life that you cannot do without? Now, these days, some people might say they're cell phones. But, you know, in all honesty, there's plenty of things that we have as essential to life. We need water every day. We need food every day. We need oxygen every day. We often don't realize how much we need something until it suddenly goes missing in our lives. Now, I remember during the COVID pandemic, I suddenly realized, I, didn't, I took it for granted before, but I didn't know what a uh, good thing it was to have toilet paper around. I mean, it seemed like one day um, you you could get toilet paper anytime you wanted at the grocery store or the drugstore. Then all of a sudden, overnight, it was like it suddenly became this coveted, sought-after item that no one could get. Now, uh, just uh, this past year, um, there was a time where I realized there was an appliance in my house I took for granted. My refrigerator broke down just under a year ago. And I never realized. Wow, I keep a lot of food in the fridge, and without a refrigerator, wow, this is really bad. And just um, last month, I had an experience. I went for about two weeks without hot water because my water heater broke down. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, it took so, a little effort to take a, a hot bath because I would just. I spent like an hour heating up water on the stove, pour it in the tub, and. Yeah, but I never realized until that time, wow, it's really nice to be able to take a hot shower whenever you want to. But today, we're going to look at the third and fourth trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation. And we see the Lord, in these judgments, is going to chip away at a couple of things that we are very used to, but we take for granted. Water and light from the heavens. I'll just read, uh, start reading in uh, verse 10, chapter eight. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water, because it was made bitter. Now, just last week, um, Don went over how um, in space, there are many NEOs out there, near-Earth objects, like meteorites and asteroids and comets. And um, we don't know how many there are exactly. Um, I did look up a website this week, and there's something on the order of about a million known sizable asteroids, and about 3,700 comets have documented, but there's a lot of them we don't know about. Many scientists will freely admit a lot of them are out there. We just don't know where they are, and we don't know when they could possibly hit the Earth. Now, astronomers have named a number of these, but this one in um, chapter 8, this one is named by the Lord as wormwood. It's named after a, a plant that is known for its bitterness. Now, it's described a little differently compared to the object in the second trumpet judgment. But it still seems very likely it's something like a meteorite or an asteroid or a comet. Now, at first when I read this, I was thinking, isn't it kind of strange that a uh, a meteorite hitting the earth can make people sick. But it's actually something that is very possible. Because when people, when scientists have looked at what are meteorites made out of, um, they're actually not just harmless pieces of rock by themselves. When uh, scientists have looked at the composition of different meteorites, there's a lot of things in there that could actually be very harmful to humans. They found substances like arsenic, like cyanide, like mercury, like lead, in a lot of these meteorites. And when I looked up a recent uh, history of different meteorite impacts the past century, I found there actually was a case in 2007. This happened in Peru, near a small village, but there was a large meteorite impact, and no one was killed in this, but for like some weeks afterwards, Hundreds of the villagers were sick. And there's some debate still about what exactly happened. But it's thought that the meteorite impact caused a lot of um, toxic toxic vapors to come from the impact site. That sickened a lot of the people in the area. So if a large meteor containing a number of toxic substances came into the Earth's atmosphere and broke up, it's completely possible for something like this to happen in Revelation, where a third of the rivers and lakes are suddenly contaminated and become poisonous. Now, there's no number given exactly as to how many people die from drinking the waters turned into wormwood. It's only said that many men died. But I can say, I think we can assume it's probably at least in the order of millions And because of this third trumpet judgment, there's going to be a worldwide water shortage. Now I have to say, I don't think we really know what it's like to experience a water shortage in California. It's true. I mean, we are often told that California has had years of drought, I can remember growing up in Los Angeles, one time my family got a warning letter in the mail that we had used too much water during a time of rationing. But, you know, I have never really known what it's like to worry about not having water. You know, any time of the day, I could just turn on my faucet and enjoy a cold drink of water from the tap. I can water my lawn anytime I want to. I could take a shower, Anytime I want to. Now even in, in the worst droughts in California, the government's never said to actually stop watering your grass. They just say, well, let's limit how many times you do water it or what time of the day you do water it. But I decided to look up this week, you know, what are droughts like in other parts of the world? And when I looked this up, I realized in California, we really don't know what a droughts like. Now just south of the border in Mexico, when there's a drought, if you turn the faucet on, you may not know whether water will come out or not. There are times in Mexico where um, people wait in line for hours waiting for a delivery truck to deliver rationed water. People steal water because it's a hot commodity. Now, if that sounds bad, that's not the worst i found. Now, we live in a country where drought might be an inconvenience, but it's, no, it's never a matter of life and death. There's no one in California who's ever uh, been worried that they'll die from the drought. that has been going on. But in other parts of the world, it is a matter of life and death. I was reading in a CNN article this year, there's been a drought going on in the country of Somalia and Africa for a number of years. And in this year alone, it's said that about 43,000 people have died in Somalia from drought. And it's not just because people don't have enough water to drink. In a country where there's no drinkable water, there's also no food because when you think about it, it's like, you don't just need water to drink. You need water to give water to your livestock, to all your animals. You need, wa- you need clean water to water all your plants and crops. If you don't have clean water, there's no food also. People get displaced during a time of water shortage. Uh, Farmers in this area, in Somalia, they've been forced to abandon their farmlands. Whole towns have been forced to abandon their homes because there's no water in the area. A lot of people are forced to um, just live in these primitive encampments nearby, places that still have water that are already overcrowded. In times of severe drought, disease and illnesses get worse and worse. Because hygiene gives way to the water shortage. So in Somalia, you have people suffering from things that, are, that people in the US really know nothing about. You have people dying of measles, of cholera, of parasitic worms. Because people in Somalia, they have a choice. Well, if you have a little water in the day, do you use that water to wash your hands? Or do you use that water to drink so you don't die of thirst? But as bad as the drought is in Somalia, this will not compare with what we see in this Third Trumpet Judgment, with a water shortage that occurs during the Great Tribulation. It's kind of a strange thing when you think about it. Most of the earth is covered by water, but only a very small percentage is drinkable. In fact, they think only about 3% of the water on the earth is something you can just drink from. And only about 1% of that is accessible in waters from uh, lakes and rivers. A lot of the drinkable water is maybe stored up in glaciers or underground water supplies. Now, I'm holding this water bottle. Now, I just took it from that uh, table in the foyer without really giving any second thought. But... During the time of the tribulation, this is going to become very, this is going to be a very coveted item. People might steal this. People might kill for it. We'll go on to the next trumpet judgment in verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded. And a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound." Just to take a pause for a moment while we're discussing these judgments from the Lord. One thing I noticed um, about people after a disaster, a lot of people, um, as bad as they might have had an experience with an earthquake or some flood or something, um, some disaster has hit them, a lot of times there's still some note of optimism. You might hear some leader on the news saying, we can get through this. We can rise from the ashes and rebuild. We can do this. Now back in 2004, a lot of you might remember there was a big earthquake and tsunami in the Indian Ocean. And some 240,000 people were killed in that in a lot of different countries like India, Indonesia, just to name a couple. But it wasn't long after that I think it was just a couple years after that, the United Nations still had this optimistic report. They actually um, made this long list of things and t- titled it Building Back Better. Now, earlier this year, too, there was a pretty devastating earthquake in the country of Turkey. And I think it was like something like 50,000 people died in that earthquake. But despite all the devastation, the president of Turkey still gave a very optimistic speech afterwards. He said something like, um, you know, he uh, he praised the capabilities and determination of his country. And this was a quote. He said, we will heal the wounds of the earthquake within a year. But when we see these disasters coming in Revelation, we are coming to this point where the damage done to the planet is irreparable. No one in their right mind is going to be thinking that we can rebuild from this. Everyone will realize the sheer impossibility of the earth coming back to anything close to its former habitable condition. So what happens if the sun does not shine for a third of the day? Now, in this fourth trumpet judgment, there's no one... Uh, mentioned as dying as a result of this fourth judgment, but there's still a lot that can happen. No one is going to say it's no big deal that the sun is shining only eight hours a day as opposed to 12. It's not just that people with solar panels on their roofs will notice that they're storing up less power in their homes. People themselves are a lot more dependent on sunlight than they realize. We don't let get enough sunlight. You get all kinds of health problems. You get vitamin deficiencies. I remember my dad told me this. Um, he told me once that as a young single guy, he considered applying for a job as a researcher in Greenland, way up north. Now, um, he was a, unattached at the time, no family, and uh, the pay was good, the benefits were good. As to anyone unattached, it looked like a very... Promising opportunity. But then what stopped my dad from applying for this job was a warning attached to it. The job's description said, you had to be able to endure long periods of darkness. If he's in Greenland, the day is a lot shorter. There was a warning attached to the job that low exposure to sunlight could have serious psychological damaging effects on a person's mind. So he didn't apply for it. Now we saw last week, a third of the vegetation on the earth was burned up with the first trumpet judgment. Now, you need sunlight to regrow plants. You know, all those orchards, all those grasslands, all those farmlands that were destroyed with that first trumpet judgment, they're not coming back anytime soon with a third of the sunlight gone. And not to mention, a lot of the water that's needed to um, take care of plants, that also went with with the third trumpet judgment. We saw in the second trumpet judgment that a third of all sea life was killed off. And those populations of marine animals that were killed off, those also are not coming back because the seas are also dependent on sunlight. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, it's not like um, tuna and oysters and clams are solar powered, are they? And, well, pardon me. I'm just going to get a little bit in, into the science of this because I was a biology major as an undergraduate. So I'm just going to go into a simple explanation of well, why the sun being blotted out would be so bad for the oceans. The problem is in the ocean, there are a lot of Microscopic organisms called phytoplankton. You need phytoplankton needs sunlight to be able to survive. And the phytoplankton are the first link in the ocean food chain. Without uh, phytoplankton, you're going to have a lot less food for the fish we see swimming around and a lot of other life. There'll be a lot less food for the surviving animals in the ocean. And there's a lot of other biological processes that we take for granted that are dependent on sunlight. Now, this is something I learned just in the past few years because I started keeping chickens in my backyard. But did you know that if a chicken gets less than 12 hours of sunlight, it will not lay an egg? No eggs. So food was already scarce during the tribulation. Back in Revelation chapter 6, no one went over how there was a worldwide famine, and the food prices were ridiculously high. Now, with less water and less sunlight, the global food supply situation is only going to get worse. Now, as terrible as these judgments are, the Lord is actually still being merciful here. As, you know, this, we see these judgments, and the question can come to your mind, well, in all these judgments, why is the Lord only taking away a third of the vegetation? Why only a third of the sunlight? Why only a third of the marine animals? Why only a third of the fresh water? I mean, the Lord, He's God, He's all-powerful. He could take away everything. And not to ruin uh, one of the future preacher's messages, but I mean, the Lord eventually does take away it all. I and mean, eventually the time does come where there is no drinkable water whatsoever, where there's no life in the sea. But here, the Lord is still giving time for people to repent and turn to him. In many ways, these trumpet judgments, they're, they're a warning still, because there's still worse to come. Because the angel in verse 13 said with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blast of the trumpet the three angels were about to sound. And ultimately also we see these judgments, they're in a way a warning of the torment that a soul will experience in hell. Hell is a place of complete darkness. And the Gospels is described as a place of outer darkness. Now, when I first read this passage in Revelation, I was wondering uh, what's the big deal with the Lord blotting out a third of the stars? and a third of the moon. Because, well, I don't think we're really dependent on starlight or moonlight in any way. There could be something I don't know here. Now, the Lord may have many reasons for it, but one reason I see, though, that he strikes a third of the stars and the moon is a warning of the total darkness that is coming to people if they do not repent. Because in hell, like I said, there is complete darkness. Now, just like um, I said we don't really know what it's like to live in a real water shortage, I would also say we don't know what it's like to be in complete darkness. You know, anytime I feel like I'm in the dark, I could just flip on a light switch, I could use a flashlight from my iPhone, and I can see. And even during a power failure, we're no, we realize we're not even really in complete darkness. You know, the lights might go out, but your eyes steadily adjust to the lower level of light, you might notice there's a bit of moonlight trickling in through the window and you can still see. And even in the wilderness, when there's no light surrounded whatsoever from a city light or from your own light, and even if there's no moonlight, there's still starlight, however faint it might be. But on this day, when the Lord blots out a third of not just the sun, but also the moon and the stars, it'll be obvious that a day of complete darkness is coming. It'll be obvious to everyone still living on the earth at this time that if God could blot out a third of the heavens, he could easily blot out all of them. And hell is not just a very dark place. Hell is also a very thirsty place. What do I mean by that? Like I said, in the third, in this third Trump judgment with wormwood making the waters of the earth undrinkable, a lot of people will be thirsty this time. Many people will die of thirst. But this is nothing compared to how a person will feel in hell. I'm just gonna turn for a moment to the Gospel of Luke. This is chapter 16. Now, we see here, this is an account uh, where the Lord Jesus talks about two men, a poor beggar named Lazarus who went to heaven and a nameless rich man who went to hell. I'll just read uh, verses 19 through 24 of chapter 16. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now all of us, at some point in our lives, we've known what it's like to be thirsty. Maybe you've gone on a long run or exercised, and your tongue is just sticking to the roof of your mouth because you're so dry. I remember when I had COVID earlier this year, I had this burning sore throat that I just wished could be relieved by something I could drink. But this rich man, hell, and he's still there at this very moment, he is in so much pain that to him, just having a moistened fingertip touch his tongue would be a relief to him. And in a way, these judgments, they're still there to point people towards the Lord. Is are you thirsty? Are you in darkness? There will be many people during the tribulation suffering from physical thirst and physical darkness. But spiritually, they'll be suffering from these same problems too. And the Lord... And the scripture says he's the solution to both these problems of thirst and darkness. The Lord Jesus once spoke with a woman, a Samaritan woman, who was thirsty and about to draw water from a well. And he said, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's in the Gospel of John. And the Lord Jesus, also in the Gospel of John, he's described described as a true light, which brings light to every man coming into the world. The Lord Jesus later in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Anyone who believes in the Lord and is saved will never have to worry about thirsting or darkness. So, as a believer in 2023, looking at these trumpet judgments, how do I apply this passage in my life? What should I do knowing about these judgments from the Lord? I'll give an illustration. In everyday life, when it's known that a disaster of some kind is coming, when they can, people give warnings. Now, I mentioned in 2004, there was a catastrophic earthquake and tsunami in the Indian Ocean. Now, after that, there was um, a lot that was done to make sure something like that would have as little chance of happening again, of taking people unawares, so a lot of countries actually built tsunami warning systems. So they would know when something like this could occur again. So these days in the country of India, the country of India has like sensors on the surface of the ocean, on the bottom, to detect some earthquake that could cause a disaster on the scale again. But even with this technology though, the amount of time given Um, For warning, is limited. Like if you're close to the epicenter of an earthquake, you might have only minutes to know about what's coming. But then if you're a little farther away, you might have a few hours notice. You don't know. Now, back in 2005, how many of you remember Hurricane Katrina? just to fill in, anyone who doesn't remember, in 2005, Louisiana was hit by Hurricane Katrina, and close to 2,000 people died in that hurricane, and there was billions of dollars in damage. There was a warning, however, issued by the National Weather Service on the day before the hurricane hit. There's a meteorologist who read this over the news. I'm just gonna read, actually, what he delivered on Sunday, August 28th, 2005. So he broadcast this twice, actually. Devastating damage expected. Hurricane Katrina, a most powerful hurricane with unprecedented strength, rivaling the intensity of Hurricane Camille of 1969. Most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps longer. At least one half of well-constructed homes will have roof and wall failure. All gable roofs will fail, leaving those homes severely damaged or destroyed. The majority of industrial buildings will become non-functional. Partial to complete wall and roof failure is expected. All wood frame low-rising apartment buildings will be destroyed. Concrete block low-rise apartments will sustain major damage, including some wall and roof failure. High-rise office and apartment buildings will sway dangerously, a few to the point of total collapse. All windows will blow out. Airborne debris will be widespread and may include heavy items such as household appliances and even light vehicles. Sport utility vehicles and light trucks will be moved. The blown debris will create additional destruction. Persons, pets, and livestock exposed to the winds will face certain death if struck. Power outages will last for weeks, as both power poles will be down and transformers destroyed. Water shortages will make human suffering incredible by modern standards. The vast majority of native trees will be snapped or uprooted. Only the hardiest will remain standing, but be totally defoliated. Few crops will remain. Livestock left exposed to the winds will be killed. An inland hurricane wind warning is issued when sustained winds near hurricane force or frequent gusts at above hurricane force are certain within the next 12 to 24 hours. Once tropical storm or hurricane force winds onset, do not venture outside. Now, there was a lot of investigation after the hurricane about how the government responded and prepared for the hurricane. But it was determined that this warning given by this meteorologist probably saved thousands of lives which would otherwise have been lost. Now coming back to us and how to apply this passage, God, in the book of Revelation, has given this warning to us all. To every believer here, you are the warning system that God has put in place to tell people, of the danger they're in. You are a watchman, the person God has set in the lives of people you know, to warn them of the danger they're in. Now, you don't know how much time you have to warn people. You might have a few years, or you might have a few days. And as we've been going through Revelation, the wrath of God on sinful mankind is being revealed more and more. Now, by looking through Revelation, we have an even more precise knowledge of the danger that souls are in than that meteorologist who is looking at the weather satellite images of Hurricane Katrina approaching. Now, I can tell you, I would not want anyone I love going through the times we see in the Great Tribulation. I personally pray, you know, I pray for my three little boys. I don't I pray that they would get saved before all this happens. We wouldn't want anyone we know drinking those poisonous waters of wormwood. And more than that, we don't want anyone we know going to hell. This is a time we need to be sharing the gospel with people. This is a time we need to pray for opportunities. To be able to talk to people about what's in God's Word. I I would challenge all of us this week. If the Lord places a couple people on your hearts, pray for those two people. Pray that you would have some chance to share the Word with them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Word. Thank you for entrusting us with your gospel. Thank you for revealing your judgments in the book of Revelation. We pray for opportunities this week to warn people of the spiritual danger they're in. We pray for conviction of sin amongst the people in our lives, that they will see their need for you. We pray for the people you have placed in our lives, that you would draw them to yourself and that you would open their hearts to your word. Lord, we do pray these things in Jesus' name.